outlaws. Sweat hogs. It's 1993. We're working our way through these Halloween havocs. How are you, Adam? You alright? I'm good. How are you? Wonderful, thank you. Not quite as wonderful as Paul Orndorff, but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. If any of our listeners are big fans of wrestling matches where they start out okay, they work into the middle okay, and then they collapse at the end, then boy, have we got a pay-per-view for them. (laughs) Because Halloween Havoc 1993 is better than Halloween Havoc 1992 Uh by some margin. But they just don't quite make the landing in some of these matches. But we'll talk through it. We'll talk through it. Um, And 1993 brought us a better film than... What was our film last time again? Braindead. Braindead. Which we took the proverbial dump on last time. Yeah, yeah, we got a good one this time. Well, I think oh. we got a good one. Let's uh, keen, to, keen to hear how you felt. Yep. Uh, shall we just jump in? Let's go for it. Okay. So our um, film this week for 1993, or the supposed highest rated horror film from 1993, we had the choice, really, we had the choice, I think, between Dracula? No, was that last year? That was that last year, yeah. I can't remember. I, I remember it, us I having a like, choice. It's like Hocus going, Pocus or something like that, wasn't it? It might have been. Yeah. We, 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 we de- whatever it was, we'd definitely both seen it. So we thought, oh, we'll take a wee gamble, Let, which, you know, maybe didn't pay off the last time. But, you know. Listen, you spin the wheel, you make a deal. Sometimes it's a Texas <laughs> death match, sometimes it's a coal, a coal <laughs> miner's glove match. <laughs> Yeah, we, nicely put. Yeah. We had John Carpenter's Body Bags, which was a, which was a film that was made for direct TV. Um, at the time, I think John Carpenter was maybe coming off a bit of a failure. I don't know what that film was, but this was why he was okay. back to to direct for TV. I've got the I've got the synopsis here. Will I run through it? Go for it. Yeah. Okay. John Carpenter's Body Bags is a 1993 horror anthology film. The film consists of three stories, each with their own unique horror theme. Carpenter himself appears as a host, a creepy coroner who introduces each story. Um, The first story is titled The Gas Station. The second story titled Hair. And the third story titled Eye. John Carpenter's Body Bags is a fun and gruesome horror film that delivers plenty of scares and dark humour. How did you? How how much did you enjoy Body Bags? I really enjoyed it, and you know, I don't know if it was how terrible the previous attempt film was, because which neither of us made it through. I don't know if I was just in right the exact type of mood to be watching something like this, but this was so much fun. 
and it was exactly what I wanted it to be. It was it was really entertaining. Didn't take itself too seriously, but the stories were interesting enough to keep you in. I, I, was, I really, really enjoyed this. Me too. I think I think we both were in the right frame of mind for it. It was just it, it, um, it sort of bridged the gap between a lot of fun and the horror elements that that yeah. were enjoyable. Um, yeah. I'll talk about the first one. I'll, okay. I'll give you the pleasure of talking about the second one, then we could talk about the third one together. So okay. the first one was called The Gas Station, and this was probably the one that was sort of more straightforward horror. Yep. Um, sort of follow a, a young girl who's working at a gas station sort of way out in the middle of nowhere. She's working the night shift, I think, for the first time maybe. Yep. Um, and we hear over the radio that there's a serial killer or something like, yeah, serial killer on the loose. Uh, lots of jump scares, lots of different characters coming in and out of the gas station, which is a really good opportunity for different... We get different cameos here. We get a Wes Craven cameo as this like ridiculously creepy older man that's trying to get this young girl's number. Um, we get we get the guy from uh, A Werewolf in London, is that? Yes. American yeah. Werewolf in London. American yeah. Werewolf in London. Um, yep. We get him in it as well. This was just nice and straightforward. A good introduction to this anthology. I loved it. I thought it was cool. Uh, yep. And a nice wee twist at the end with the person who's revealed to actually be the killer and all that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, nice we they're all sort of split into half hours, so we've got an hour and a half mm-hmm. film with these yeah. half hour uh, little mini films. Aye, I loved it. I thought it was class. Great, we great we start. Yeah, and it's it's one of your sort of classic um, sort of horror stories where somebody is on their own, isolated at night, and things start happening. And it's it's simple, it's straightforward, but entertaining. I really enjoyed it. Awesome. Okay. Second one was called Hair. Take it away. Okay. Okay. So uh, Hair stars Stacey Keach, um, who is uh, pretty... He's he's lacking confidence and he's lacking hair. His hair's starting to go, um, and you you see him going through sort of various attempts to uh, conceal his his disappearing hair, um, being mocked by his uh, partner for for these attempts, like basically getting his head painted and things like that. Very unsympathetic um, to this cause. <laughs> She was. Uh, but I think the point of that was supposed to be she doesn't care. It no. was only him that was caring about this hair situation. So you see a couple of adverts about this miracle hair growth uh, thing. And he eventually decided there's a brilliant moment quite early on. <laughs> where I think it's when he's just come out of either the hairdressers or when he's been away buying his products uh, for painting his head. He, he, he sees uh, a woman with very long hair. Um, and then a man with very long hair, and then a dog, <laughs> and he's got real hair envy for the dog. <laughs> like mentioned earlier, it doesn't take itself too seriously. There's these little moments in it, but uh, he makes he makes his appointment with uh, I think they're called the Roswell Hair Growth mm. Company or something there, like that. There's your clue, Stacey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, he uh, he ends up getting his hair treatment, and uh, it all seems to have worked perfectly early on. He gets 
the waist DC Keach looks. So he, he picks this option, which I think is it the stallion for his hairstyle, yep. uh, which is this incredibly long straight hair. Uh, he looks so weird with the hair. Like, he's so happy that he's, he's got this. Uh, it's It's just. It's incredible. Um, so yeah, it, it seems like it's worked, um, but you know some early signs that it, it seems to be keeping to grow, and he needs to go and get it styled and cut, and then you start seeing some strange things going on with his hair. Um, I, 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 should I avoid giving any spoilers? It, it's a, it's a good story, but it turns a bit strange for it, it, for it old Stacy Keach there. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It's so good. It's so well acted by Stacy Keach. Yeah. I never. I don't know. What do I know Stacey Keach from? Prison Break, probably, the most. Mm, yeah, and I, you, yeah. You just didn't expect this sort of performance. It's so much fun. It's amazing. Yep. There's the bit when he's in the hairdressers, and he's this is his girlfriend suggested that he goes see her hairdresser, and he's mm-hmm. going to supposedly work miracles with the sort of thinning hair that he's got. <laughs> he refers to him as, he was so rude, he refers to him as Chrome oh. Dome City. He does. What yeah. an asshole. Yeah. And this is a hairdresser who seems to be just indicating that he needs to just accept what's happening. I would have thought the hairdresser would be the person that would try and solve all your problems. But to be fair, when he does come out of the hairdresser, he does look like he's got a bit more hair than when he went in. He's he's done something they've, they've with the styling. Yeah. yeah. Um, so maybe I assume that was what the girlfriend always had in mind that he was going to get done, but then he... He goes and like basically paints his head black, which which doesn't go very well either. There's also a bit where he's in the car, and I can't remember if it's after he's had the hair transplant or if it's after he's been the hairdressers. But there's this song about letting your freak flag fly. And he's, is this after he's had the hair transplant? I think so. Yeah, it's just amazing, <laughs> amazing. Um, <sighs> Uh, Definitely my favourite of the three, this one. It goes a little bit odd towards the end, but the oddness, uh, I embraced the oddness. I liked yeah. it. Good fun. Yeah. Um, the third of the three starred Mark Hamill uh, as a some sort of major, is he maybe like a, not a major league baseball player. Minor but leagues one, baseball. Mi- yeah. Yeah. Um, and they're looking at him t- to be potentially moving up to the major leagues. Yeah. How did how does he does he he has a car accident does he? He has a yeah he's 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 dicking about for ages trying to change a cassette or something oh, like that right. while he's driving along and then yeah he has his car crash and when this I think couple that are passing run to find him he's got basically a shard right in his eye a shard of glass doesn't so he, look good he loses his eye he's obviously a baseball yeah. player he needs. He needs two eyes. He, he ends up getting some yeah. um, miraculous transplant, but unfortunately, the transplant comes with its own problems, uh, and he starts to see visions. And uh, uh, I'm getting the impression that he's had the eye of a killer or something yeah. like that. Um, yeah. This one was probably my least favourite of the three. Yeah. I enjoyed aspects, of it, but I just didn't. It wasn't quite as fun. It was a bit. It was quite angry. It, it goes like <laughs> there's a scene in the bedroom where it goes a wee bit, a wee bit far. I, I felt like I, um, I didn't need to see Mark Hamill's bare <laughs> arse, nor that level of aggression from him. No, no, that's like yeah, Skywalker. I, I think this is this story. You know, has been 
one way or another told many times and i'm sure it's been told better than this i i remember a simpsons episode but i think it almost combines two of these where it's like a hair transplant for homer but he gets the hair of this snake who was the, yeah. the local criminal and he starts like getting a bit murdery i reckon the simpsons creators had just watched this and took two of the stories and combined them brilliant and they probably did it really well that's and class. actually actually I think that the point where Snake gets killed is in the quickie mark, so that's basically like the, wow. the ad stage. Yeah, I think that they've stolen it all. Wow. I need to go and watch <laughs> this episode of The Simpsons now. This is now a Simpsons podcast. Um, in next to all those three little uh, 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 little films, we get John Carpenter as this, um, what does I refer to him as? The, the, the uh, Crypt Keeper sort of character. Mm-hmm. He's um, kind of introducing uh, the various stories, yep. and he's doing these wee skits and stuff like that. He's what what we think he is is somebody who works in a morgue. Yeah. Uh, eventually, it turns out that he's actually a dead body. Another another one of the body bags. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all cool. It's all brilliant. Good, great fun. Really entertaining. I've got some some interesting trivia that you might like. Oh, um, go for it. Who else did we miss? Sam Raimi's in this. In a cameo, he uh, refers to him as Dead Bill. Uh, so I, I guess he's maybe one of the body bags that he opens okay. and puts back. Yeah. Um, we've got Tom Arnold. You spoke about him. Toby Hooper, mm-hmm. who was the he's the director of the original cha- uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, the film was originally intended to be a TV series. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, but was never picked up. It was going to be called a T. It was going to be called Masters of Horror, but the series was never picked up. Interesting. She got like. Do you remember um, ah, Tales from the Crypt? Did you mm-hmm. ever see Tales yeah, from the Crypt, yeah. which is like an anthology series, and and there's the link of the Crypt Keeper and all that. And it right from the start, it was kind of reminding me of of things like that. Um, and then I'd I, we'd we'd been talking about anthology things. And I'd mentioned Creepshow, which was so there was an original Creepshow film, which was I can't remember how many short stories it was, maybe three, uh, making up the film. Uh, but you were telling me that there's now a, a series, a Creepshow series. Yep. Yeah, there's three seasons of it, which uh, some are quite hit and miss, but some of them are good. Okay, I'm gonna have to check that out. And did you know that the f- that the phrase body bags refers to failed pilots in the TV industry. I did not. Ah, I wonder if that's, that's why quite... they called it body bags. Yeah, maybe. I, I imagine they had a wee nod and a laugh about it, at least. Mm. Yeah. So there you go. Nice. It was definitely fun. If you're a horror fan, yeah. if you like sort of anthology type stuff, definitely yeah. recommend. So a twilight, it's, a, it's quite Twilight zone Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, if you like that sort of thing, definitely recommend John Carpenter's Body Bags. And John Carpenter, if you're listening, make more of these. Please. <laughs> Keep making your awesome albums that are on Spotify of sort of creepy music, but also make more of these. Agreed. Okay, so that was Body Bags. Next year, in 1994, which we've discussed, we are going to watch The Crow. Yes. The cult classic, The Crow, starring Brandon Lee. Uh, so that should be interesting. Have you seen The Crow? I've seen it. I've not seen it for a good few years. I I really liked it when I saw it in the past. I remember thinking the soundtrack was awesome as well. 
Nice. Uh, so, yeah, looking forward to watching it again. What about you? Yeah, I think I've seen it when I was younger, um, but I don't think I've seen it as an adult, so it'll be interesting to see. It's it's uh, very romanticised, that film, isn't it? Obviously, because of the uh, yeah. the legend of Brandon Lee and all that sort of stuff, so it'll be interesting yeah. to see as an adult. Nice. So yeah. we shall do that next time. Cool. And with that out the way, with the fun out the way, let's get into the wrestling. Let's get into the WCW Halloween Havoc 1993. We're four Havocs in, and (laughs) I've got in my notes here that we are peaking. Our Halloween Havocs are peaking solely because of the intro video. (laughs) Uh, Talk me through that. Talk me through this amazing Tony Schiavone starring intro. Yeah. So you've you've got like a, a a few kids who are out trick or treating, um, and one of them is talking about needing to get home because Halloween Havoc's about to start. But there's there's this one boy that wants to go to this proper scary house. So they they go up, most of them reluctantly, and and ring the bell, and uh, Tony Schiavone answers the door. Now. I don't know why, but I really questioned to myself a few times whether it was really Tony Schiavone. <laughs> and then I kept going back to, well, why would it not be? Why would they, you know, use somebody else to be Tony Schiavone? But anyway, um, the the kids um, were sort of, you know, surprised seeing Tony Schiavone. You know, he's going to be working this pay-per-view, but he's uh, keen for the kids to come in. Uh, talks about them getting a bite of his wife's cookies or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, so he, he gets them into the house and then he's... he's there's, there's a lot of weird stuff going on. Like, he'll suddenly appear at the top of stairs from kind of out of nowhere. Um, and the he's... I think he, he says at any point the question anything is like, it's Halloween. Anything can happen at Halloween. Um, and they reference the spin the wheel, make the deal. Uh, Vader v Cactus Jack stipulation as that anything can happen. Um, Shivani says if the kids want to be really scared, they should get a load of this. And he pulls, he pulls his face off. <laughs> reveals this, like, monster face. Um, I've probably skipped a few moments in there, but oh, it was quite something. Uh, he, appear- video. he appeared to be either whatever the um, they had as Bebop or Rocksteady from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film, the second one, Return of the Ooze. Do you remember the sort of creepy versions of Bebop and Rocksteady they had? He was one of them. <laughs> I don't until you've said it, but okay, that makes sense. <laughs> there was a one of the little pricks buries the Cactus Jack Vader match for some reason. That's some good producing for WCW. <laughs> and I like that they said, Mr. Shivani, what's that smell? And he said, it's my wife. And like the creepiest <laughs> smile you've ever seen. Well played to Tony Shivani for that. It's brilliant. He, he, he threw himself into it. Um, Absolutely. What is... I think we go... We're, so we're in New Orleans here and we basically go to the show from there. Yes. What what is Bischoff dressed as? Uh, it's a Confederate soldier uh, <sighs> uniform. Okay. Um, which has not aged very well at all. Not not really. Um, we've got Tony Schiavone and Jesse Ventura on the, as the commentary team. Um, Tony Schiavone is dressed as Jesse Ventura, <laughs> which is brilliant. 
it's, it's really funny. It's amazing. And what has what Jesse Ventura dressed as, Adam? Is he like a, a doctor? A, he's, he's a doc. I think he's a doctor. He's got a big claw, and he he says to Tony that he's Bourbon Street's number one gynecologist. <laughs> There's an elderly woman in the front row, and she starts going, "Yeah." And uh, Jesse, oh, also, wow. Jesse's class. I, I, we had issues with JR the last time mm-hmm. because we felt that JR and Ventura just they're not on the same Didn't wavelength really as far yeah. as I. Uh, I had issues with Shivani this time. I feel like you you need somebody to fit with Ventura more than anything. Um, mm-hmm. But as laughing, Ventura says that he was looking forward to gooses and goblins at this pay per view, and I thought, "Fuck's sake, is that going to be one of these mysterious creatures? Is that the new tag team in WCW, gooses and goblins?" Um, and unfortunately, it wasn't because unfortunately, our first match, uh, we're straight into it. Yeah, like, they seem to kick this. They seem to be getting a rhythm now. We're kicking off the match with a random six-man uh, tag match. So we've got the Harlem Heat and the Equalizer. Oh yeah, who was giving me Barry Windham at Survivor Series ninety? What yeah. was that ninety six vibes? Yeah, yeah. Um, they're taking on the Shockmaster, Ice Train, and Charlie Norris, which is yeah. just a gimmick full of people. I mean, have we have we spoke spoken here before about the Shockmaster? Nah. So let's uh... do it. So this version of the shot. So I read. I read this to see who was coming on. I thought the Shockmaster, yes. And then it it was basically like tugboat and construction clothes, and I was like, "That's yeah. not the Shockmaster. <laughs> the Shockmaster's like glittery stormtrooper helmet and all that." Yeah, but, but yeah. So so you and I were texting back and forth. I went back and watched the Shockmaster's debut. They very quickly ditched the the glittery stormtrooper yeah. helmet after. He fell over, fell through that wall, and Davy Boy was saying, "He's fell on his ass. He's fell on his fucking ass." <laughs> when, like, you sent me the clip because I had seen it before and I'd heard about. I'd always, I was shame for the guy because it's live and he has supposed to have this big intro and he does fall over and he basically just looks like an absolute idiot and he's supposed to be this big intimidating presence and that's just gone. It's just immediately gone. But uh, I was really impressed by the way Sid kept going in the clip that you said because he, he stays like as if he is confronting some intimidating presence. And I thought, oh, well played, Sid. You've, you've done your best here. He did. It's so funny. Things like, he's going to shock the world. <laughs> and then he falls through the wall. So they turn the Shockmaster from this intimidating... I mean, what is a Shockmaster? But they turn him from this intimidating, uh, glittery-headed stormtrooper into this sort of oaf that keeps falling over yeah. things and stuff. Do you think they sold Big Tugboat on this? Like, this is it. This is your the big one. You're going to be main eventing. <laughs> and then suddenly he's, in, he's kicking, he's curtain jerking against the Harlem Heat, who seem to be named Kane and Cole. Yeah, I don't remember them having names other than, like, 
their what became their ring names. But obviously they did. I assume this is very early days of the Harlem Heat. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got some heat here. The crowd aren't aren't into them. No. Uh, nah. Were you familiar with Ice Train at all? Well, I was familiar of him when he'd moved to the future and his name was Big E. But apart from that, no, not really. And how about Charlie? Charlie Morris. Charlie Norris. Char- yeah, this guy's called Charlie Chuck Norris. Norris. Yeah. And I feel but he's like also a Native American. They were, yeah. And I feel like they were wanting to make a big deal of him as well. WCW mm. have got a knack for putting people in the first match on their cards that just, well, certainly in their Halloween Havoc cards, that one, you've never heard it, and two, absolutely suck. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm going to have to admit, I didn't take a whole load of notes about this. Uh, but what I did notice, there's like a um, uh, the Shockmaster's got a a, a bear hug, um, and uh, the like. I try to make sense of my notes here because I remember thinking this was really weird. He kind of does a slam thing where he falls. I think it's on Booker T. Now Booker's brother and the Equalizer are both in the ring, but neither of them go to try and break the pinfall on Booker. They both actually run away from the pinfall to go after the other opponents. And it it like it just looked really bad because I think sometimes you'll get away with that if it's like, you know, they can't see it or whatever, but it's right in front of them. Like and there's no way they could have possibly missed it and thought but it does look like they've just said I just want to fight. I don't care if we lose this match. And if that story had been there, then maybe that's okay. But I just the, the finish just looked stupid. The whole thing. Oh dear. I I, th- I thought that the sort of bear hug driver that the shopmaster did was it was almost like a tombstone but he was holding him up the right way. Yeah. It was yeah. very it was weird. Yeah. Um yeah, I didn't notice that about about Stevie Ray and what's that guy called? The Equalizer. The Equalizer. Yeah, I didn't know. Not sure that much one. became of him. The, my favourite part of the match was that um when Big Shockmaster's tearing off the ropes, uh Shivani refers to him as an agile man and uh, Jesse Ventura is not accepting that at all. <laughs> but he does say he's a danger to children. <laughs> Which was I was not sure about it at all. That's, that's a different gimmick. A whole different, yeah. We, we, do you think, given... So this is 93. 93. Yeah, yeah. So we're very deep in gimmicks on WWF yes. side, I think, yep. at this point. Do you think that they... Can you, I can imagine, like, Vince being like, oh, god damn it, pal, when he saw that what the Shockmaster became, just basically an electrician. Yeah, yeah, it's like, we're not going to be able to use that. <laughs> what was Ice Train? I, 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 yeah, I, I, don't, I don't have an answer for that. I don't. He, he looked like the sort of prototypical amateur wrestler that they put in the ring, but then called, just called him Ice they seem to be The crowd seemed to be doing some sort of hump, there it is. For yeah, his train. Maybe that was his yeah. thing. Yeah, and I, I started to find that a bit annoying. Well, um, they kept doing it throughout the whole paper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, fair enough during the match that he's in, but yeah, why? When, once he's gone, you move on. Yep. Come on. 
Uh, talking to move on on, we're going backstage. We're, we're with Bischoff, and he is with Terry Taylor, formerly Tel- Terence Taylor, formerly the Red Rooster. Um, yeah, this was incredible. Go on, you look at your. Ah, uh, like there's there's too much Terry Taylor on this show. Mm-hmm. Now I know that he's just here doing a promo, and then he talks. We find out he is going to be uh, like an an extra official for the match. Um, and he's talking about how he's going to call it right down the middle, even if he has to make an unpopular decision. And I couldn't help but just, does anyone give a fuck about Terry Taylor? Like, uh, It was random, because last time we saw him, he was in this, um, uh, what do you call it? He was in this faction with Terry Uh Donalds, and they they were all computer computered up and they were sort of highfalutin characters. Now he's just good old Terry Taylor we're, again. And we're we're being it, it's being told to us quite a lot through the night that Ric Flair against Rick Rude is this big, huge important match. And I, I get it. I buy that. You know, they're two big names. So who cares if Terry Taylor's involved? It, it, exactly. <laughs> that's that's the thing. Like He doesn't seem to have anything to do with the storyline. Yeah, on anything. Uh, it's also a consecutive year where we've got a match with two referees. It didn't yeah. go well last year. <laughs> it really did. And also, <laughs> they start trying to explain to us that Vader is the WCW champion. Rick Rude is the big gold belt heavyweight champion. I think is what they they try to tell us, and then they're yeah. referring him to it as the. What are they referring to? Just as the heavyweight champion of the world. In the end, there's there's like a international is what they keep referring to Rude as international heavyweight champion. So of this this the like almost like for like what happened at the previous last year's pay per view yeah. with the NWA heavyweight yeah. title. It's like they went copy and paste in some yeah. areas. It's bizarre. Because they didn't, yeah. that didn't work. Nine night two sucked. Yeah. So we're not yet. We don't yet have. Ah, uh, Bischoff has not taken over yet, has he? He's nah. just still an announcer guy. Yeah. We're probably still a bit of time away from Bischoff taking over. I think could be in, it could be the next year. Could be ninety three. I think uh, uh, within ninety three. I think I. I. God. Uh, I think. So. It's going to be on 94, isn't it? You you know it, brother. (sighs) Damn it. I heard that Hulk, Mr. T and Michael Jackson were going to be backstage. (laughs) (laughs) There was a horrible odour. Yep, you know it. 1994, we're into Hogan territory. I, I believe that Dusty, and we'll talk about this, but I believe Dusty was responsible for a lot of the finishes okay. on this card. Okay, you're good at think you're good at a lot of things, Dusty. But finishes may not have been the one thing. Right, let's go back to the ring. Uh, we have got Ricky the Dragon Steamboat taking on Mister Wonderful, Paul Orndorff, who is accompanied by the Assassin, and the Assassin. Is bursting out of his mask. <laughs> <laughs> he, 
he's like Cartman or something. What, what, there was a guy in in WWF that kind of looked like this, wasn't there? Yeah, I, I, I don't think I ever did. I ever look him up because I remember thinking, who is this guy? Um, and he, he came out with like the insane clown posse stuff and all that, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, uh, oh, this is. I mean, this guy. This guy's pretty old here. Um, is he? Yeah, he seems to have either been Jody Hamilton, Ricky Monroe, Assassin, Masked Assassin Number One, The Masked Assassin, Mighty Bolo, The Assassin, and The Flame. In the territories, I think there was the Assassin, and then there was like the Assassin Two or the Masked Assassin Two. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there was two different ones. But I. I from what I can understand of what they're saying on the commentary, he's not normally with Paul Orndorff, and he just yeah. seems to be there for reasons unknown. Yeah, he's just getting himself involved. Um, um, he, he, he seems to have some beef with Steamboat. I see. Okay. Uh, I, I, what is, uh, <laughs> what's your history on Paul Orndorff? Have you seen many, much of him? Yeah, like, I, I remember him from very early, is it like WrestleMania 1, WrestleMania 2? Um, I think he's and, in the the very first main event, isn't he? He is, yeah. And you know, he was obviously, I think, a big star in his day. Um, the the thing I most know him for is the apparent backstage fight he had with Vader. That's that's what you hear most about uh, know, okay. with Paul Orndorff. Um, and I think he was around WCW for a long time, but this is probably towards the end of him being active in the ring. I would yeah. have thought. Yeah, I thought so too. <clears throat> yeah, I um. What do you think of his in ring? Mm, nah, not for you. I quite like. <laughs> I quite enjoyed him. I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't get into the match. Like, I think. Remember when, what was it we watched? Steamboat. It was Steamboat, Steamboat v Pillman. Pillman. And it just didn't do it for us. And when, like, I see Ricky Steamboat's coming out for a match, I'm like, oh, I, I, you know, maybe this will be good. You know, he's, he's, I've probably not seen a big percentage of his work, but, you know, you hear everything about how good a worker he was. And I get, I just really struggled to get into the match. I felt like there was a, there was a lot of, um, like, Steamboat seemed to be going after the arm for the entire <laughs> match. And that's, that's fine, you know, you have a, a strategy, you have a theory, um, but the whole while I also found, like, they kept talking about the assassin lurking on the outside, and I'm thinking, well, I'm not really fussed about this assassin <laughs> guy. <laughs> they were trying to force it to be a story for me. Um, yeah, I just, I couldn't get into the match. I th- I enjoyed bits of it, I quite enjoyed... I, th- I feel like it ramped up a bit more towards the end and we started getting some false finishes. Um, but it took an awful long time to get there. And I wasn't invested on- enough and you, you clearly uh, weren't invested either. The end, the finish, is absolutely shocking. The... Oh, yes. Yeah. So, so, so what happens is Steamboat ends up outside the ring uh, the assassin takes something out from his jacket and rubs it on his mask and then headbutts Steamboat on the back of the head, which is enough to help Orndorff win by getting Steamboat counted out. Now, unless whatever he put on his mask turned his mask into an anvil, 
what did he put on his mask? Yeah, I don't know. Because they, they seem to be trying to tell you about it, but I don't think you ever got a really good shot of what was actually happening. Because um, Shavoni's trying to explain he put something in his mask. And I think Ventura, being the heel announcer, is no selling it. It's like, I didn't see anything, but I'm sat there thinking, well, I didn't really see much going on myself. And I'm it was watching... liquid. It, yeah, I mean, what was that supposed to do? <laughs> but also, like, through the match, now, this is maybe a steamboat thing that I don't think I ever picked up on, because he was always a baby face from what I remember. But he seems to go absolutely crazy at yes. some point in each match and just starts, like, getting in the face of the ref and going all-out attack on the individual. But Orndorff, at a point, was out of the ring for, I think, three minutes. <laughs> and yet, Orndorff won by quite a speedy count-out. Now, Steamboat was selling this, whatever's supposed to have happened to the back of his head, because he's laying flat out, basically, outside the ring for ages. But I just found it strange that Orndorff was out for so long, the ref did nothing. And then Steamboat's out, and the ref's like, I'm immediately counting this. Ten, well, done. It, it was Nick Patrick, so... Uh, maybe. You know. Maybe. He's got previous. Yeah. Uh, a bit of a stinker, probably. So two stinkers De- on the bounce. Definitely not a good finish. Let's make it three, shall we? We've oh. got a World Television Championship match next. Um, apparently this match is high profile enough for Michael Buff, a young Michael Buffer, to appear. Yeah. Um, uh, and do a bit of announcing. We've got the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith, taking on Lord Stephen Regal. <laughs> who has Sir William uh, with him as his manager. Yeah, who was this Sir William guy? Did you ever look it up? I did. Someone, Dundee, um, he was Scottish-Australian. Okay. That is about the um, the, the, the depth of my research on that one. I actually thought it could have been Lord Alfred Hayes Hmm. in a different guise, but it wasn't. Okay, okay. So, almost immediately, we get the time limit mentioned. So, I thought, okay, so we're going 15 minutes. Cool. Um, I have never seen the British Bulldog wrestle like this. And if he wrestled like this more, I'd probably have enjoyed his career a hell of a lot more. See, it's like, we've talked a few times about Regal in the past, how he's a bit different. His style's Mm -hmm. a bit different. And it kind of... I think forces an opponent into a different match a mm-hmm. lot of the time, or a different type of match. Um, I I didn't think this was that bad. No, no, but I, I refer to it as a stinker, but but I knew it was going the time limit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> why did they? Why did they have to indicate these things so clearly that it's going to do it? Like for the first <sighs> match. Say that it's got a time limit of fifty minutes. For the second match, say it's got a time limit of fifty minutes. Then when you say that the third match has got a time limit yeah. of fifty minutes, people won't be like, "Ah, oh, this is going the time limit." <laughs> I've, I've a funny feeling. I'm not a big bulldog fan. Like we remember, God, we're only what fifteen months or something on mm-hmm. from his greatest ever moment at, yep. uh, at Wembley. Oh, um, I thought you meant smoking remember... crack with Jim Neidhart. <laughs> And I remember uh, being quite entertained by the Bulldogs as a tag team, but that was in like the really early days of, of, of seeing stuff. But him on his own, I don't know, I just picture him as he's got like three power moves and, and that's kind of about it. Um, 
but I thought Regal got a wee bit more out of him here than, than the norm. And yeah. he's obviously got that in his locker. I've mm-hmm. got something in my note here saying it's amazing how such supposed sort of mundane moves, arm drags and arm holds mm-hmm. and reversals could be so engaging and enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. And they like they mean something. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the start of this. And most of the majority of it, but um, yeah, like you said, you, you knew it was going to a time limit draw, so uh, yeah. I think he even made a bit of a pig's ear of getting it to yeah. th- I think Bulldog went for the power they slam with still like 15 did. seconds to go. Yeah, because there's no way Regal was supposed to kick out of that power slam because mm-hmm. he, he kicks out. Um, and right at that moment, I thought that, that he's clearly supposed to cover him with like two seconds left or something. That's, yeah. But to be fair, <laughs> he, he grabs him, does a pile driver, and, and gets the the two. One, two, and then the time's up. So. Yeah. Uh, Regal retains his title, but yeah, WCW, you do this too often. <laughs> yeah. Hey, where are we going next? We're going to Vader and Harley. We're going to spin the wheel, aren't we? Oh, yeah. These two are a good partnership, Harley Race yeah. and Vader. It just works, doesn't it? Yeah, I like it, that. It, 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 it looks right, and it, it. I think for what Vader was, it needs to be someone as legitimate and as respected as a Harley race was, but someone with that heel tendency, um, and he's 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 just kind of got the shoulders to carry it off Harley yep. race. Yeah, it yeah, just yeah. it does work. Perfect. So we, we're we're spinning the wheel and making the deal, and thank God it's not a coal miners glove match. We're getting a Texas death match. Or a version of a, a WCW version of a Texas Death Match. Um, yeah. But have, have you any idea if this one was legit, or did they did they plan? Nah, I don't know. I hope they would have learned from <laughs> yeah from last year. Well, they've obviously learned something because there's no Jake Roberts anywhere near the pay per view. Was was Coal Miner's glove on the board? Oh, I didn't <laughs> notice. I can't remember. Probably. <laughs> um, see even Vader's presentation he's coming out and doing all that barking and all that he just looks like a monster mm-hmm. this is the Vader I, I am impressed by this is the Vader that's fun to see and watch and scary like you would I, not want to run into that Vader he just he looks unstoppable it's cool that they've got the, the belt on him and all that brilliant mm-hmm. uh, so we've got that to look forward to later on um, which takes us to our fourth match, which is for the United States heavyweight title. Uh, that is between a rematch from 1991, uh, the natural Dustin Rhodes taking on stunning Steve Austin. First, first line of my notes. Oh my God, they wouldn't do two time limit draws back to back, would they? <laughs> Maybe if there was a spin the wheel, make the deal in between, they'd think people wouldn't notice. <laughs> I've actually had to scroll down here to see what the finish was because I can remember it being an absolutely awful finish but I they managed to go out their way to not make it that but just make it just as yeah. bad yeah they yeah they messed up the finish I, I, I didn't I didn't mind some of this match some of the interaction between the two there's um I, I am still always impressed by Austin and I know he's not in a prominent position I think here has he, he's been in the tag team with Pillman, because yep. they mentioned the tag team. He's I, got I the Hollywood think... Blondes um, waistcoat yeah. on. 
And is Pillman injured or something? Just um, on his way back for injury. So I, I think okay. they say that Pillman's back, but Austin's uh, fighting as a singles. Just now. Yeah. Um, and they, they talk about Austin having held the TV title for 18 months. Um, and that being a record. Amazing. Um, and yeah, he's. I, I'm always impressed by him, and and I think he and Dustin are quite a good pairing. But I don't know if it's just because we're watching year on year. I just feel like I've seen this, and I've seen it. It feels like a few times because we've seen them have a singles match, and we've seen them in a tag match tag, against tag each match. other as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, so it kind of feels like you know three shows in a row, or three out of four, or whatever. I've seen this pairing, which feels a bit much. It does, and I. I don't think I appreciated how interwoven these two, their careers mm. were. Um, yeah. It made me go and watch the Ringmaster's debut. Uh, and I think the Ringmaster and Goldust debuted round about the same time in WWF as well, round about 96. Okay. Uh, very early 96, which is interesting. Um, I'm going to say something. I'm going to say something. I don't think you like it. Go for it. I think this Austin is the best Austin. Oh, oh! It's controversial. Hey, okay. Give me your, give me your reasoning. Okay, like charisma is there. Oh, absolutely. In buckets, yep. he looks amazing. The hair mm-hmm. looks class. The bleach blonde hair, um, yep. looks amazing. He's bumping all over the shop like he's Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah. selling like a maniac. He's he looks big, like Dustin Rhodes is big, big, mm-hmm. and Austin doesn't look small compared yeah. to him. He can do so much more in the ring. Yeah, he, 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 I think in ring, I, I, I wouldn't argue it at all. I think he, he was better here than when he had his hottest run. Maybe, maybe, maybe I don't think he's. Maybe I don't think this is the best version, but I think the potential of what Austin was here mm-hmm. is. Better than what he actually became, which was one of which the is, greatest. Ever. Which is the aye. <laughs> which is crazy to think. I but yeah, how stupid that sounds. But I, it does make you wonder. I think I've always wondered if he'd never got the injury. I think he would have. He still would have slowed down because I don't think you can keep bumping like he was bumping here when you are the guy who is off and on for what three or four years carrying the title and in the main events. I, I don't think you can be bumping yeah. all, all, uh, in this same way. But um, I I do always wonder if he'd never had the injury, what could have happened in WWE. See, I talked before about this. He had, you know, very entertaining matches with people like Kurt Angle. Um, but what could he have done in those ma- those kind of matches if, if he hadn't had the limitations? Yeah. I think you know what you know what people do now with the whole fantasy booking mm-hmm. um, deal. Do you think people at that time were like, imagine stunning Steve Austin versus Shawn Michaels in nineteen ninety three? I mean, versus Bret Hart versus. It, yeah, I mean, it, I think it seems obvious looking back, but I wonder. I always wonder what Vince saw him as. Because, you know, he brought him in and made him the ringmaster. Uh, and it wasn't kind of till that hadn't worked that he got to kind of start being, I think, a character that was a bit closer to 
what he wanted to be mm-hmm. and uh, then it started to work but i imagine vince would have seen this this version of him and thought oh you know he could work first or second match on our card yeah go and bring him in you know i don't think he'd be like that guy's going to the top so so Cornette so I listened to Cornette about this. Cornette said that Vince had never seen Austin. Okay. And it, he was recommended and he was recommended mm-hmm. by a lot of people and they sold him as this amazing technical wrestler. And that's why Vince then decided to call him the ringmaster. There there was always the thing as well about how Vince had it in his mind he wasn't to speak. Now he, he aligned him with Ted DiBiase. Yep. at first. But apparently it was a thing. Vince didn't want him to speak. And so I, bizarre. Like, because even, see when he, he left WCW, like his, some of his um, promos and stuff and interview segments in WCW as part of the part of the um, Deadly Blondes oh, and, the, and the, the Dangerous Lines. Dangerous Every time he spoke, I thought he, he had something. He oh, carried right. something there. And I suppose it makes more sense if Vince never saw it. I mean, never maybe himself saw any of the work. But I wonder why you would just decide, without looking into the work, this guy's not going to speak. Well, Cornette says that Vince would always... Vince would never know, really, about people coming in, in a given example. Um, But he said... He only goes based on when he meets someone face-to-face and he starts asking about their interests and all that. And that's how people end up with these stupid gimmicks because they'll say, oh, I like doing whatever in my spare time. Um, And he said that when he met Mick Foley, it had his name down on the folder as Michael Foley and and Vince kept referring to him as Mike. Hey, Mike, how you doing? And all this sort of stuff. So, like, he has at that point, anyway, zero sort of understanding of who these people are, which is mental. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. I mean, like, if you, if this is your business, this is your company, you would have thought, well, first thing that I need to do is get my hands on all the best talent that's out there. And part of that, you would have thought is, what guys can talk? <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Would, give me tape of that guy talking. You've told me he's a great worker. But let me hear some tape of him talking. So I, 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 I want to know what I'm working with. What have we got here? And to just I don't know, not watch anything. And I, he's probably leaning on people to do that for him. I mean, you hear plenty. I'm, I'm sure Cornette, Jr. Uh, were were recommending all kinds of people to him. But I don't know. It it seems it seems weird. The whole thing seems weird. I, I guess there's that thing of what we've heard about Heyman, you push too much in Vince, so just yeah. go against it. So it's maybe yeah. part of that as well. Yeah. S- stick the videos of him cutting promos as Hulk Hogan and ECW in front mm. of him and then, you know, like, <laughs> surely he sees something. Uh, but, yeah. Um, no, I, I, I feel a wee bit this, they, they've milked this rivalry. It's maybe just because we've watched these year on year, but at yeah. least Dustin isn't he doing the pinning, the one, two, three, slapping the canvas type thing with it. Yeah. Yeah, that was weird. Um, uh, yeah, Austin was taking hell, hell of bumps, hellacious bumps. He's going flying off the top turnbuckle down the floor and and stuff like that. Um, but the finish is just stinking. Yeah, I, I don't know what was... Like, 
having watched it, so so Austin does a, a Thez press into a cover, but he's got his feet on the ropes quite quite <laughs> like, clearly. Yeah, yeah. And but Nick Patrick counts the three, but then they're up, and there's no like second ref or anything, is there? It's Nick Patrick saying no, actually no. No, I, th- I think I think or is uh, there a second ref? I think Randy Anderson was the original ref, Esther. and he gets bumped. And That's then it. Nick yeah. Patrick comes out, counts the three. We get a bell. Yeah, and, then, that, and, and Pee Wee Anderson says, nah. Nah, yeah, didn't count. Keep going. And at this point, Austin's away looking for the bell. He's like leaning <laughs> through the ropes. Um, and uh, <laughs> Dustin rolls him up and, and pins him and that that's the three count and that's the three count that counts so mm-hmm. uh, Austin leaves though he, so he hits Dustin with the bell and then he just walks leaves, off with it leaves with the bell yeah yeah, yeah. G- good stuff yeah, yeah so uh, um, Halloween Havoc 1994 it's stunning Steve Austin versus Dustin Rhodes there's a there's a video segment after this for Battle Bowl. Um, <laughs> and then, like, there's, there's, you're back to Shivani and Ventura, and obviously Tony Shivani's dressed as Jerry Ventura. <laughs> and then, and then, but Ventura says to Tony Shivani, I'll be there, Tony. <laughs> but he says, he says it, and he's staring at him, and he's staring at him for ages, and I was thinking, is this, is this a bit that that hasn't really that that nothing's come of because it's it's it goes on to the point it's uncomfortable. But no, it's like you need to move on. <laughs> this is getting weird. That's a good that's a good Ventura impression, by the way. <laughs> that was good. It, yeah, it must be round about this point where he starts pulling off um, Shivoni's moustache and all that sort of stuff, and it starts yeah. to become a little bit annoying. Yeah. What was Battle Bowl? Was that its own pay-per-view? Yeah, so I think previously they did uh, um, an event that had a Battle Bowl match and they'd advertised that, but now they're indicating Battle Bowl is its own event now. Um, I can't remember what a Battle Bowl is. Probably some overly produced nonsensical nightmare for the... uh, what do you call it? The Chamber of Horrors was anything to go by? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, we get a wee bit build up um, for our next match here. Um, we have got the World Tag Team Champions, Marcus Alexander Bagwell and Too Cold Scorpio. Uh, they are. What are we doing? So are they, they just have. Go on. They have won the belts the night before. So on WCW Saturday night, they have won the belts from the Nasty Boys. Um, and this, it sounded like this match was booked tonight, but it was going to be Nasty Boys defending against Scorpio and Bagwell. And I couldn't work out why you would flip it. I, I, I was trying to get sort of round in my head why just on TV you'd want to do the switch just for them to win it back. You're trying uh, to work out WCW creative. Oh, I was. It's yeah. a dangerous I, I game. Just stop that. Yeah, I should just stop that right now. Yeah. So, yeah, what do you think of Young Bagwell and, and Too Cold Scorpio as a tag team? See, I, I always liked Scorpio. Like, in terms of, just like, he was entertaining. <laughs> a, quite an extravagant moveset. 
kind of an odd guy from I remember uh, <laughs> it a Dark Side of the Ring episode. I remember oh, really? it featured. It was it was one where WCW did a show in North Korea. Yeah, yeah. And he's on the tour, and he I I think he tries to kill Hawk or something like that. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. We've all done it. Um, yeah, and I couldn't think if we'd seen. Bagwell before, or if this was our first in the journey. I think it's uh, the first. He's he's young. He's very young here. Yes, um, he's good. He's decent. Yeah, decent he can he can work in the ring. Um, and you know it's a matter of time now that you know Hogan's going to be here from next year, where he's going to I think stop working in the ring and just. <laughs> uh, but they, I didn't think they were too bad a team. Obviously, you know. I found the booking of the whole thing quite confusing. Nasty Boys are a team that we've seen and quite enjoyed. Um, whereas maybe at times in our WWF lives, we didn't. Aye. There was something a bit more edgy. Rough, and, yep. Yeah, yeah, Gritty. about them in, in WCW. Uh, but I did think here they're maybe starting to go towards a bit more <laughs> the WWF version. Um, like I think there's something about just putting people in their armpits and things like that, and it it, it felt a little bit closer to going to that. I didn't I didn't think this was awful. I thought it was all right. Aye, same. Yeah. I thought it was all right as well. I like the Nasty Boys as a sort of thuggish team. Mm-hmm. Definitely yeah. do. Uh, you're definitely right about that sort of the caricaturized version of mm-hmm. them. It's just all about yeah. At what point did they meet Hulk Hogan? That's what I would ask. Well, if, if he's on the next show, we're <laughs> definitely going to have them. We're going to have Hacksaw. We're going to have a few. Oh, the beefcake <laughs> probably at some point. <laughs> not, not what, what was his name in the NW again? Oh, what was it? The... Oh. Oh, I can't remember. I'm sure it'll come back to us. It's going to annoy me now. Bruce Beefcake, NWO. Oh, come on. Can I see it coming up? The Disciple. That's it. Um, He's no Disciple. Yeah, you knew what was going to happen here. You knew that you knew that Bagwell was getting isolated and you knew that Too Cold Scorpio was getting the hot tag. It went on a little bit too long. Um, Highlight of the match would be Bagwell given Sags and Missy Hyatt the double noggin knocker. Yeah. Probably. And uh, two cold Scorpio's four fifty splash. Pretty awesome. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah. Do you know what sucks? When that... you you think that someone's used a foreign object to heelishly win the match and then the replay you realise that they took their boot off and hit them over the head <laughs> with it. Yeah. Yeah. Another fun finish. These finishes are bad. Like it, it, it's a phrase, isn't it? A dusty finish. Mm-hmm. And is that like to mean a non-finish, basically, or a clusterfuck finish? Or... I think a dusty finish is very specific circumstances. Because I always okay. thought a dusty finish sort of meant like not a clean finish, but it, mm-hmm. it doesn't. It refers to like a sort of very specific type of circumstances. But in this situation, Dusty Finish is a shit finish for every single match. Unfortunately, is that you looking up? Yeah, Dusty Finish is a nickname given to a, a 
ending of a wrestling match in which one wrestler appears to have scored a win, only to have the decision reversed on a technicality. Ah, there you go. So, okay. WCW in the 90s. <laughs> Every pay-per-view. Yeah, I think we all acknowledge the good Dusty Rhodes did, but yeah, not not maybe the best creative when it comes to finishing off a match. Talking of Dusty Rhodes, did you notice Shivani kept referring to the shopmaster as Uncle Fred? I, I did, yes. Did, did you did. wonder why? Yes. Apparently that's what Dustin Rhodes referred to the shopmaster as. Oh. I have no idea why that would then lead Shivani to use that. <laughs> Yeah, come on, Shivani. Don't bring all your insider. <sighs> there's some. There's a funny video on YouTube of Dusty talking through the Shockmaster uh, debut, and he, he says that Dustin's sitting watching on the telly, going, "Look, it's Uncle Fred." When the, when the helmet comes off. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, no, Dustin. Uh, Cody. Sorry, Cody. Oh, that makes more sense. For yeah, age-wise, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that'd be weird <laughs> nice. if Dustin was sitting saying that. Nice. <laughs> nice. Okay, backstage with Bischoff, he's with Colonel Robert Parker and yeah. Sid. And Sid, oh, I love Sid. Love him. He's amazing. He does, does the whisper thing and then he does it. Yeah. Call me the Grim Reaper because I'm going to kill Sting. Nice. He's going to take I, his soul. I really enjoyed the promo. And then I started imagining it was somebody else delivering it. And I don't <laughs> think it would work at all. It's just the fact that it's Sid. And you kind of... You look for these moments where it, something draws you in. Um, and it, we, we know he is not going to go to the ring and murder Sting. We, we know that's not going to happen. But... The way he speaks does just make you believe that that is what his character wants to do. 100%. And I, I, I just enjoy that. I don't think I realised how good a promo he was, but we've said this a few times now. Aye. Aye. He's amazing. He's so good. Yeah. He's intense. The intensity is amazing. He doesn't he need Robert Parker with him. Nah, I kind of thought that was actually just a bit of an annoying addition, to be honest. Talk, say, you know, saying that like most most of these matches, most of the heels have got a have got a someday mm-hmm. out there, eh? Apart yeah, from Austin, they do. really. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay, they're billing this match, which is Sid versus Sting. Um, they're billing it as like a sort of face of the franchise type thing. Yeah. What does that mean to people, <sighs> like wrestling fans, in nineteen ninety three? It seems weird. Like I know that. Looking back, Sting has been referred to as having been the franchise player in WCW. And I get it. He's the guy that never left and was so often near the top of the card. The Francesco Totti of WCW, is that what we're saying? Yeah, yeah. And you heard it loads with like John Cena in the more modern era. He was the the franchise. The face that Um, runs the place. But here... and. Sid's probably jumped back and forth as much as any performer mm. ever has it. I don't know. It seems weird. It seems like they're trying, despite the fact you've got these two <laughs> big name performers here who could both be in the main event. It feels like they're trying to shoehorn in an angle. Yeah. Or like 
maybe appease someone. I think Sting mm-hmm. was a bit of a political player, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I can fully believe that. Certainly from yeah. a, a contractual point of view. So maybe this is their way mm-hmm. of saying, look, there's two heavyweight titles on the card. <laughs> You're not fighting for either, but you are fighting for the franchise. Yeah. Face of the yeah. franchise, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, uh, what do you think of the match? We've already had this match, 91. Yeah, I, I, I quite enjoyed it. Um, I got annoyed by uh, Colonel Colonel Rob. Rob? Yeah. Um, I you know it's it's not it was never going to be lots of classic wrestling moves. I thought they gave um, Sid a lot early on. He was he's so good at. I I believe he's psychotic at times. Mm-hmm. Sid. Um, and he's so good at, at putting that across. Um, and quite. A lot of times they had Sting attempting a comeback, like a wee hero's comeback, and Sid was just cutting him off. Um, I, I don't think I ever got fooled into thinking Sid's just going to dominate and then win. Um, but I, I, I quite enjoyed it. I, I, the, the, there was a bit of a bear hug situation mm-hmm. on the go that lasted a wee while, which maybe just was is necessary. I'm sure it's probably not that easy for said to go a hundred miles an hour through 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 a full match. Um and then you got some sort of you know, some classic sting stuff, but I was entertained enough by this. Nice. I loved uh, I think Sid re- uh, referred to this in his promo before he says he was going to pick him up by one hand and slam him to the f- to the ground yeah. or something like that and he does that exact thing, yeah. picks him up one handed choke slam is so impressive. Yeah, I think he, he maybe had the best choke slam, Sid. Uh, there's there's something a, about him doing it. It's a controversial statement, but I, I possibly that one is just yeah. unbelievable. It's so cool. Because mm-hmm. Sting's a big guy. Yeah. Um, the, the Sting hits him with... Uh, sorry, Sid hits Sting with a chair shot at one point. Have you ever seen a you know, sort of compilation of Hogan and his really, really little tame... Uh, chair shots, it was a bit like one of those, you know, yeah. like he's talked about murdering yeah, this man little, and then he gives him a wee dunk. Just a little thing. I've heard that the, I can't remember seeing it, but I've heard that the worst ever chair shot was um, on Austin and it was by um, Briscoe when he was one of the Stooges, is that he, he had to run out and do a chair shot because I think Bossman had missed his cue or something like that and <laughs> right. he was supposed to have run out and wasn't there. And uh, apparently Briscoe's like winded up to do the chair <laughs> shot and suddenly has this moment where he real life thinks to himself, that's Stone Cold Steve Austin, that's the Golden Goose. What if I hurt him? <laughs> so he just like does this little tap <laughs> on him. <laughs> Amazing. That's class. Um, uh, Sting uh, Sid kind of dominates most of this match Sting gets his big comeback he hits two Stinger splashes, Colonel Rob gets nailed on the apron and then the match, all the lights go out and the match ends well that would have been more preferable to what happens Sting, uh, Sting who is wearing bright green trousers, bear that in mind neon green migraine inducing green Trousers, Sid, who is wearing black pants yep. and black boots. They're both stood by the apron. Colonel Robert Parker grabs two legs. He believes he's grabbing both Sting's legs to help Sid roll him up, but instead he grabs one of Sting's and one of Sid's. I don't believe that Robert Parker could have pulled either of them into the floor anyway. 
Certainly no, no stick. No. Uh, certainly no Sid. <laughs> anyway, Sid gets uh, rolled up by Sting after Robert Parker mistakenly pulls the wrong leg. And at this point, you think, is someone pulling my leg, Adam? Because <laughs> these finishes are yeah. unbelievable. There's there's a definite theme emerging here. But I was waiting for Sid to just absolutely destroy the Colonel, and it doesn't even happen. Uh, he just looks hurt. Yeah. He's like, and he's then really hurt away. his feelings. Yeah. I thought he was going to smash him as well. <sighs> another, yeah. another stink of a finish, but a, a decent match. These two, mm. these two work yeah. well together. Yeah, they do. I think I would always worry, you know, I've maybe not seen that many Sting matches. Like, uh, he's maybe one I would look at and wonder. I wonder what sort of moveset he's actually got. But he did a hell of a lot of selling in that match, and I think he has done with Sid before as well. And I think that's, you've got a guy the size, the aggression, the maybe slightly unstable nature of Sid. I think that's what you want him to be. Even if he's in against your top guy, you want him to be dominating a lot of the match. Um, And then the other guy just finds a way to win. Absolutely. Definitely. Um, Yeah, so an alright one there. We get some backstage uh, footage of Vader knocking the shit out of Harley Race's hands. uh, And in contrast, Cactus Jack seems to be sitting, sort of murmuring away to himself. <laughs> yeah, this I I don't think I realised. Like I was aware of the Cactus Jack character, um, and I'd seen some matches before. You know, he became Mankind in the first instance in WWE, but I don't think I was aware that he was doing some of these this same sort of you know i associate what he's doing here as a very mankind, mankind thing yep. that he's that he's doing i didn't realize that was kind of a, a little part of his cactus jack uh, character as well and going back to what we were saying about austin isn't it amazing that this character which to me is wildly over but it's maybe just retrospectively mm-hmm. wildly over i don't yeah. know how it was actually uh, received in 1993, but mm-hmm. if you've signed that guy, you would think you would use Cactus Jack. Mm-hmm. Just this, uh, and it, it took men- a really long time before aye, they did. Aye, yeah, absolutely. Uh, what was it going to be, Mason the Mutilator? That's what they should yeah, have ended something up. like that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this is for the next. This next match is for the International World Gold Belt Heavyweight Championship. Whatever it is. Uh, this yeah. has got the extra second ref of Terry Taylor so we're really up in the stakes we have got Ric Flair accompanied by Fifi taking on ravishing Rick Root now, by the time the commentators are trying to explain to us as an audience for the 20th time why the international heavyweight title is now being recognised as oh, a Jesus. real title I just don't care if you've had to tell me that many times, then you've overcomplicated the story. <sighs> well said. This... <laughs> this, this seemed to be their way of, like, basically selling that they're doing house shows internationally. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, 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 I was fairly enthusiastic for this before it started. Um, and there's the story, and there's this whole. You've got some classic Ric Flair, but as soon as Rick Rude comes out and hits me with a 
Louisiana losers. I was like, ah, oh, that's not that's not what I was looking for. You Rude. wanted sweat I, hogs. I did. It, it needs to be in De- Detroit. They need to be Motor City sweat hogs. <laughs> it makes it so much better. Did you know that Fifi was the the Ric Flair's Wendy? Was that his wife or his? Oh, I didn't know. I, I just thought Fifi was a, a random just there for the day. Another one. Yeah. Um, Rude's got went. Uh, Rude's got Fifi on one one leg and flared another leg and a big pumpkin on his arse. I did. I did, I did like the. I remembered them from WWF days, the tights, because he, he he definitely did them with Warrior when he had the mm-hmm. the issues with Warrior. He also did them with Jake, uh, and I was listening to a a Jake podcast, and he was asked about, it and he was saying him running out wasn't planned. Um. But he'd basically said Rude had been kind of ribbing him for ages because it, was, it wasn't a match between the two. I think it was an interview segment or a promo or something. And Rude had said, I'm going to do the thing with the tights and your wife is going to be on my tights. Oh. And uh, Jake was like, no, you're not doing it. You're not doing it. And uh, when he revealed them for the interview segment, Jake just apparently basically said to Vince, I'm going. I'm going down in the ring. And Vince was like, okay, okay, pal. So it was a. It never became a real fight or anything like that, but I think he ripped them off him basically. Wow. Um, so yeah, that was a. That was just a little story that I I, I thought of when the tights uh, became pretty prominent here. That's funny. Could have been worse. Could have been. Um, could have been Grizzly Smith and his his companion from the road. <laughs> oh Jesus! My bad. My bad. Okay, what did you think of Flair versus Rude? You said you were you said you were quite looking forward to it. Isn't that always the way? We seem to be up for these matches and then I really couldn't get into this one. Like there's there was some okay, you know, interactions between the two and stuff like that. Um the I don't know, half focus on fucking red rooster out in the ring, uh, out in the apron. I was like, oh, it's um, just, it's just he, a non-event, Terry Taylor being there, and they build yeah. it up to be something, or it's going to uh-huh. be something. And he keeps getting half involved, but not fully involved. I, I started thinking at a point, well, he's going to screw Flair. That's what's going to happen here, because I mm-hmm. think he has basically always wanted to be Ric Flair. That's that's kind of, I think, the the, the thing that's, that's the story that's out there, and probably always saw himself as a top guy. Um so I thought hey, he's he's gonna screw him, but even you know what what comes to be in the end was kind of a non-event. Yeah. There were some <sighs> things I liked. I liked I liked that Flair got the figure four on really early. Mm. Rude comes off the top rope, misses a stomp, and Flair yeah. goes woo straight into it. Figure four yep. is on. I thought that's different. Yeah, um, that was cool. But then I, I have no issue with Matt slowing down. I think if things are done logically. Mm-hmm. I'm happy, but yeah, this this yeah. really really slows down. Yeah, um, I, I'd actually wondered, and I could be way off, and I've not researched, I've not looked into anything about it. But I wondered if Rude was carrying an injury because he sells the leg the entire rest of the match after the leg, the figure four. Now they've told the story of the figure four goes on early but it did make me think i wonder if he's limited in some way um because it, it kind of just goes on and on and the pace does really slow and i kind of think rude in his matches 
it's like fast, slow, fast, slow, fast, slow normally. Um, but this just felt from his part slow. Slow, yeah. yeah. I, I don't want to pick holes in what you're saying. That, that there's a point where he comes off the top rope and, and misses and, and sells the Nina like that. Yeah. And then he goes to the top rope yeah. again. Yeah, he does. Yeah. And yeah. doesn't sell it the next time. Yeah. I was like, yeah, all right, yeah, I'm yeah. out. You have to have a bit of consistency on the go there. Yeah. Uh, okay, so so Randy Anderson's a referee here. He gets taken out towards the end. Um, naturally, here comes Terry Taylor, but but he also gets hurt. Um, this is a, a a pretty brutal collision with him. Uh, this is a perfect opportunity for Rick Rude. He pulls out the brass nuts. I think he pulls them out from his from his trunks. Does he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they fall off him. Yep. Flair, Flair gets thrown them by a cameraman or something like yeah. that. Now, did you notice earlier on in the match, Flair kind of, I, th- I think accidentally, collided with a cameraman when he went over the ropes. And I think it was the same cameraman. Oh, really? I thought he's maybe, maybe just his way of saying, we're all cool here. Let's, uh, I'll help you win. Here's this, the nuts. This, this, yeah. Um, but he did, he basically put them right in front of him, I think. Mm-hmm. Flair pops him on, cracks rude with him. Uh, Taylor is back in the ring. He counts to two, but then does the Shane McMahon. I thought he was going to give him a double fingers, imagine. But nah, he just stops. <laughs> and Randy yeah. Anderson says, nah, it's a disqualification, mate. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't even really pin that on Rooster. You know, he's the ref has said to him, I've seen this happen, so actually, no, stop counting. Whereas because I was waiting for the screw job done by Rooster, it wasn't really a thing. Like what's the difference between it being Terry Taylor and being Nick Patrick or, or anyone else? Yeah. It wouldn't have yeah. mattered, would it? No. Uh, so Rude tries to kidnap Fifi because, you know, <laughs> he's he's not lost his belt or anything, so why not just take Flair's woman instead, but um, Flair fights yeah. him, puts a figure four on on this on the stage, mm-hmm. um, and that was kind of it. Yeah, every match is a mess at the end. Every yeah. match. I thought that the match as a whole was a wee bit disappointing. That one, mm-hmm. um, just with the names involved, um, <laughs> thought that 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 could have been better. But yeah, yeah, I think by this point I've just got used to the terrible finishes. Do you think that Rick Rude has sold us wolf tickets? Do you think he's actually that good in the ring? Or do you maybe think not. we maybe just romanticised because it's he didn't have just, that, that longer he, career? He, he, had, he had an incredible look and he had his entertaining tights and he had his sometimes amazing intro in a promo. Cut my music. What I may need to go back and look at again, I think, I think we watched one, is his matches against Warrior. Because if he got a match out of Warrior then I think that would show you something. We, we um, watched a cage match from SummerSlam 93? Yeah. Was it not very 90? good? I'm 90. Remember. It, it wasn't very good. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think he had like, he maybe had three high profile matches with Warrior because um, they battled over back and forth over the Intercontinental title a couple of times. Maybe I'll give him a chance and go back and watch one of those. There's a Mania match, isn't there? Yeah, I think it's that when he wins it back. For maybe. the Intercontinental, yep. Yeah, I think so. yeah. And then Warriors kind of on the push to the world title picture yeah. after that. Oh well, good luck with that. I won't be joining you for it. <laughs> um, so we're on to our main event. We've spun the wheel. 
let's take the deal or make the deal or whatever you do with it. Uh, it's for the WCW title. It's the champion. Is he just Vader at this point? He's a big fan. Yeah, I don't remember them saying big fan. He's just Vader. He's done away with the the alien Prometheus yeah. style thing that he used to wear, which was yeah. cool. Um, but he's here with Harley Race. He's taking on Cactus Jack. It's a Texas Death Match. WCW have told us that although it's a Texas Death Match, we'll also have Falls Count Anywhere. And participants get a 30 second rest period after they've been pinned. And then, if the person can't stand after 10 seconds, then the match is over. Which yeah. I don't, I think a Texas Death Match is not all falls count anywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's normally just the pinfall, then you've got 10 seconds as part yeah. of your three. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I, I was confused by that at the start because I think when they're trying to explain it and they're, but they say something like pinfalls don't count. Now, what they mean is pinfall doesn't end the match. Um, <laughs> but obviously, you need the pinfall to then move on to I the next it. stage of, yeah. Yep. So they're trying to explain it, uh, but it's a little bit convoluted. But um, I don't think I'd grasp what was going on until fully what was going on until the first. The yeah. first time it happens. Yeah, same. So this is, I don't know if this is a five-star match, I've not even looked, but for me, this is one of the best Vader matches, one of the best Foley matches. I think anything he takes in this match, maybe put aside King of the Ring 98, is equivalent to any, some of the, the most horrendous bumps he's taken. Yeah. Um, they're yeah. both... They've both just decided, let's just make this stiff as hell and make it look yeah, it's, believable. Let's go and make it look like a real fight. This is amazing to me. It, and it really does look like a real fight, almost to like a troubling extent at times. <laughs> um, so they've, like, I, I, I wasn't, I don't think I had seen this match before, but when we were... Uh, talking about this show the last time you'd mentioned that this was one of your favourite matches and I was like oh okay okay now I did really enjoy it but I don't think I was prepared for the violence at the in 1993 mm-hmm. on a main pay-per-view a pay-per-view main event I, it, it like caught me by surprise how brutal a lot of it is because like you know you know when you're watching a film and you get like a ridiculously over the top sequence and you're like you can't really take it seriously because you're like ah, it's it's too produced that guy sprang 40 feet in there whatever it's it's over the top so it doesn't it doesn't land as a real thing but when you see something that looks like a real fight it can be way less bloody or violent than the other thing, but you're like, oh, oh, because it feels and looks real. Mm-hmm. This felt and looked so real that I was like, ah, I felt in pain. Uh, there's... But like, from moves that you wouldn't necessarily get a huge crowd pop for, but they're they're so real that you're like, you almost feel a bit of pain yourself. So, so what would be an example of that in this batch, do you think? Um, so there's some, um, now if I got an elbow drop by Foley, 
yes, where he lands he, hard. He does he, it off the stage into that yeah. little bit between the railings yeah. and the stage. And that, that looked like it hurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in a non-cartoonish, non-over-the-top way, it just looked like it hurt. Um, and there's like, even... I don't know that I was expecting like chair involvements and stuff like that on a pay-per-view main event in 93. This must have seemed at the time like, like so different from... Barbaric. Yeah. Now, I think people could fall into a trap of watching it now and being like, oh, we see that all the time. You know, but I don't know. I don't know if it's their selling or the fact, I don't know, it just looks and feels so real. It feels like they've said, look, I'll trust you my body. Please trust me with yours. Just let me do things to you. And you do the same to me. Like, it's like Cactus has just said, like, these punches that you do in the corner, just do them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I'll no sell I, them. Just hit me. And I can believe they would both do that. as prefer- And you hear that a lot of performers prefer it that way. They're like, mm-hmm. you know, um, I don't want to risk something looking shit, so just hit me. Um, that's, that's that's the whole um, Shamrock thing with the rock chair shot. He, yeah. said, he told him to hit him as hard as he possibly could. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the, the, I like just a few, and it's not even. And I think it's this is maybe part of what also makes it feels real. It's not constant. It's not like every single move you're like, oh my god, did that kill him? It, it's it's a few that are scattered in there that is like. Oh, I don't quite know how he's moving again right now. <laughs> really simply, Vader hits Cactus Jack with an unbelievable clothesline at one point. He just floats, mm-hmm. like completely yeah. floors him. It's not over the top selling, what we'd think of like Mr. Perfect type selling or that. It's no selling mm-hmm. like that. It's just like, boof, douche, smash to the mat. And then um, Foley does um, a few instances where. He he lands like a sack of potatoes, and, and you're, I, I'm convinced. Oh, he's out. Like that, that's what's in my mind at the point. Is out. That, that's because like you get a lot of it's probably overselling where people are flipping about and, and uh-huh. doing things like that. Whereas that is more like I've landed. I'm in agony. <laughs> I'm not going to move for a few seconds. It's, it's more like that. It's like in, if you're watching a game of football and the guy rolls over twenty times after the challenge, you know that guy's not hurt. He's rolling over twenty times. When a guy just lands and there's no movement, that's when you're more like, I, I, I think that guy's hurt. Nice, nice way of putting it. I never liked when RVD did his frog splash and then held his stomach theatrically and like bounced yeah. about the place. Like, a, yeah. I've done this move, but it's also really hurt me. Whereas, like, he didn't. If he'd just done it and be like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like slumped it, to the floor, just, sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, because yeah, the the moving about as much as he is. I mean, if it's that sore, Rob, you're just gonna hurt it more. Exactly. There's a, but there's no point. There's there's quite a lot of falls in this match. There's no point in us going through all of them. Um, both guys end up covered in blood. I would, I would, I would guess both of them are. You know, I, I don't think that's blading or anything like that. I think they just certainly fully. Looks like he's been opened up by something. Yeah. Um, Vader at one point hits uh, Cactus with the leg of a chair. He tries to uh-huh. hit him in the back with a chair, but he cuts him with yeah. a leg. It looks agony. Yeah. That's, uh-huh. um, 
there's a time when they're on the stage and Foley's on Vader's back. He's kind of trying to get him in a sleeper or some description and Vader just slams backwards. And we've seen that before. Mm-hmm. I think we've seen yeah. it with plenty of people. Remember Bam Bam Bigelow and Taz doing it in, in ECW and they went through the ring. Yeah. But the way that they hit the floor, the size of Vader, like there's no give. No. That looks brutal. Yeah. I don't know how he didn't shatter everything inside him. Yeah. Um there's yeah, there's there's a, a moment that we, we get um Vader hitting his moonsault backflip off the top, which I'm always amazed by because he just does not look like he should be able to Tremendous. execute that move. Um and there's a there's a moment where Cactus, I think he's, he's he's desperately trying to fight back and he jumps onto Vader's back and Vader just walks down the, the, the ramp the entrance ramp area but the way he throws himself onto his own back squashing Foley, that was definitely another one which is, I'm watching think there's no that can not hurt mm-hmm. <laughs> it just looked really sore and I think his head bounces off it as oh, well. No doubt <laughs> I was in trivia about that about him taking that bump Foley uh-huh. was um, so fed up with creative and WCW that he told Vader to do that move on him. Um, he thought that it would end up injuring him so badly that he'd be able to cash out an insurance policy. Wow. Uh, but it didn't hurt him. It didn't end up injuring him. <laughs> that, that's in his, I think that's in his first book. Oh, wow. Crazy. I wonder how much longer he's in WCW here. Yeah, I would say 1996 is probably in WWF, isn't he? Okay, and he he did a wee bit in ECW before WWF. Right. Um, but yeah, he, I, I've I've read I've definitely read one of his books, and I know um, there was a lot of frustration um, with the way he was used, and I think a, a lot of it being what he put himself through to just be like I. He, did he make was it when he was in WCW that he lost the ear? Uh, I think that uh, I think it's Japan, maybe. Was it in Japan? Because I remember he, he was really angry with whatever promotion it was for not making a story of it. It's like <laughs> I have literally <laughs> given my ear to the business. You're not even gonna. I think it didn't get referenced, and he's like, oh, you know, great. <laughs> Do something with it. Yeah. Uh... I'm just having a wee look. Uh, Germany, how I lost my ear in Germany in 1994. So 94, he was he was in he moved to ECW in 94. Um, so he went WCW, ended up World Tag Champion, um, and then yeah, at a point in 94 he left WCW. So it might have been a European tour for WCW. Yeah, it was, it was WCW because it's those yeah. cables as yeah. opposed to the, the ring ropes. Yeah. Guess who it was he was wrestling against? Vader. Yep. I think I knew that. I think I knew that before. That was cool. <clears throat> um, yeah, so after after Cactus takes that bumpy, Vader then picks up a chair and abs like home runs his head with it. Ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, it's at this point that the medical staff try to start helping Cactus Jack and Vader starts launching them about the place. What, um... So, 
I totally get why you enjoy this match so much, but I'm just going to ask about one thing. Mm-hmm. The uh, cattle prod. Oh. Yeah. Not take you out of it a wee bit? Yeah, yeah, a wee bit. We could have done without it, I think. Yeah, like, I get it. I get it. You know, like, he's... They're, they're, they're trying to show that he's almost impossible to put away, so uh-huh. we need to use something... Yeah. But my thing is, this is a Texas... So there's so much illogical about this. This is a Texas death match. You can do whatever you want. So mm. why does it take Harley Race to do it on the sly? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Vader's, uh. Vader's thrown everyone but the kitchen sink and we get that, and it just doesn't seem to be... He's not able to put him away. For about the last quarter of the match, Harley keeps pulling this thing out of his... Is he pulling out his trousers? Mm-hmm. It looks I think so. dodgy yeah. the way he's doing it. Yeah. Like, what has he actually risky. got here? It's a risky place to be keeping. <laughs> so give yourself a wee shoulder bag for the <laughs> evening. You know, just... <laughs> Brilliant. Um, we see him sparking it a few times. Mm-hmm. The problem is, the camera's that close to him. We see him sparking it a few times, so we know how it works. He then yeah. puts it against his leg without sparking yeah. it. Yeah, it's the, just another instance of them making a a mockery of a finish. There was also a bit that I, I, I'm sure it's. I think it's Tony Schiavone. I've heard talking about this before. How, um, like how good WWF was at production, even in the early days, and getting, you know, almost always having the camera pointing at the right thing at the right time, picking uh-huh. up whatever it needed to pick up. Yeah, there's a point where Cactus DDTs Vader. Big move, DDTs him. There's a chair right there. I think he maybe DDTs him on the chair. But the camera's still on the ref as he's looking to figure out what's been going on with this thing that Race has, has been dicking about with. Um, so they, they, they don't miss it. The camera's kind of picking up, but it's almost like that's happening in the background. Someone else that's going and on. And I'm looking, being like, that's a DDT on the ramp, maybe on the chair, and you're not getting it. <sighs> So I listened to um, Bischoff's 83 Weeks podcast talking about this um, this pay-per-view and he's so frustrated at it because he just normally, well, if, he, if he's been the one that's been in charge mm-hmm. and Conrad starts saying, come on, man, what about this, what about <laughs> this? And he's like, oh, no, but we did this and we did this. Whereas here he's just, because he's not been involved in the creative, he's just tearing at everything. Tearing pieces. He, okay. He's so frustrated by... The finishes, he's frustrated by stuff like this. Um, interesting to see if he like if he was watching things like that and then saying, "Look, we'll try to improve the production and, and things like that." Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, it was always marked as a big difference between the companies was the production, but I suppose maybe when the NWO was in its sort of initial era and it seemed cool, um, but maybe. That was quite a short period of time. But uh, things looked a bit rougher, and I think that worked Aye. at the time. Um, you wouldn't want that to be all the shiny production, but um, just not having the camera pointing at the right thing at the right time is no good. Oh, no. What have you seen? What just, have you done? I just I was going to bring up the card for Halloween Havoc 94. I was going to ask if you wanted to see it, because we've not been doing that. But I was going to say, do you want me to go through it once we get to the end? But I've saw a match on the card, and I feel physically ill. Oh, no. 
Anyway, don't we'll don't get... tell me. We'll 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 move on from this with a fairly positive outlook, knowing that next isn't going to be. But we get to watch the crow. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm I'm just completely spoiling this now. I need to look at it now that I've seen <laughs> Who is that? Oh This makes for a good podcast listening, eh? I can't tell if this is if your reactions are positive or mm-hmm. I... Oh. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I can tell that. Uh, yeah. Now now I know. <laughs> You, you mentioned someone that you, you know we we're talking about Hogan. Eh, anyway, anyway, we we're talking about Hogan, and you said he'll be on the card. He'll be on the card. Yeah, you're pretty accurate. We're immediately into jobs for the boys, are we? We, we absolutely <laughs> are. I, I, I need to tell you this, honky tonk man. Oh no, Jim Duggan, big boss man, the nasty boys. Like, wow, you've absolutely nailed that. <laughs> Uh, it's only beefcake missing, is it? Yeah, don't see him, unfortunately. Yeah. Who's Dave Sullivan? Oh, the equaliser. Fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the crow, eh? <laughs> let's, uh, let's this is, oh, we haven't we haven't quite finished this match. Have yeah, we? no, I'm said not, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we'll finish this. Let's put, let's put a wee hat on on Vader versus. It's a great match, eh? Vader versus Cactus oh, yeah. Jack. As as first time viewing it, the only thing I didn't really like was the stuff with the shock stick, the the cattle prod. I, I could have done without that, but I enjoyed the match. It, it at times I was feeling a little bit uncomfortable with how brutal I thought it was, but both men walked away, so you know that's 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 fine. Um, definitely heavy on the realism. <laughs> Um, and they they managed to, I think, put Vader over as the monster that he needs to be Definitely. here. But you also fully believe. I I came away fully believing Cactus Jack is a main eventer here, mm-hmm. and I don't know. You know, it's difficult sometimes to separate because he obviously became a main eventer in WWF so many times over over his career. Um, I don't know that I thought he was a main eventer in WCW um, at at any point in his run, really, but Mm -hmm. he is convincing as one here. Yeah, 100%. It's amazing that it takes people, you know, it takes him five years to, five or six years to to get to the, to win the WWF title Mm -hmm. from here. It's just amazing. Mm -hmm. And what we said about Austin as well. It sounds like Austin created his own luck for himself more than anything. Um, yeah, yeah. And if if Triple H hadn't been involved in the curtain call, then who knows mm-hmm. what would have happened there. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Some some highs for that pay-per-view. Main event, Sting v. Sid. Yeah. It, mm. it was a lot better than the last show. Um, but that doesn't mean it was all good. But it was like I quite enjoyed uh, bits of Regal uh, Bulldog, Um, and you know when I I still enjoyed seeing Austin. Um, I was maybe done with him being in there with uh, Dustin, but I still enjoyed it. I still enjoyed just seeing Austin doing his his thing. and there were bits in the Nasty Boys and Bagwell and Two Cold Scorpio I didn't mind as well. So I, th- I thought it was it was definitely a much better show than the last one. 
Yeah, agreed. Excellent. Well, how are you finding your havoc so far? Up and down? Up, very up and down. I, I remember really enjoying, was it like the first one or two? Mm-hmm. And then it felt like it went totally off the rails for a couple. Yep. Now, this one was okay, but I know from what you've said that I've got I've got some things to get through on the next one. Um, I could give you some good news, but we've got Bobby Heenan on commentary. On the... Oh, is he... The, Wow, it's so weird just dipping in year by year because that is such a drastic, going to be such a drastic change from where we are here. Yeah. Hogan in and on top and Heen in there. I assume that means Mean Gene's probably going to be there as well. Um, And all Hogan's pals. Well, almost all. Yeah, that that comment that you've had about Austin and uh, Dustin Rhodes, you've had enough of them to going back and forward. That is going to come back to bite you <laughs> pretty severely. You never know. They, they say that Bret Hart could have got a match at a broomstick, so you never know what might happen. Oh, no. Oh, no. So, in two weeks' time, we will talk The Crow and Havoc 94. Cool. Until then. Keep it sweaty, sweat hogs, Adam. We shall see you in two weeks. Yep. Toodaloo. Oh, (laughs) need to stop it.